0: That was a great time of worship. Good job, worship team. And all the production guys. It's a team effort. And you all worshiped really well. It's a good setup for this message. We're starting a new series called Life After Death. Super relevant, because you're gonna die. (laughs) The perfect statistic. And yet we know as Christians, when we die, we go to heaven. Which is really good news, considering the alternative is not great. And so tonight we're going to talk about what is heaven like. We know that that's our destination, and I want you to understand heaven better. In Colossians 3, 1, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Who's looking forward to heaven? Amen. I know I am, and the crazier the world gets, the more I'm looking forward to heaven. You know what I'm saying? You see the headlines, you see what's on Twitter, and you just take me now, Lord. I'm ready to go. And he said, not yet, Ryan. I'm like, okay, I'll keep loving people. Uh, we know that heaven is there and it's our destination, so that gives us a degree of comfort. But over the years, I've picked up that Christians have a lot of concerns. There's a lot of nervousness about heaven. I think even some worry about how heaven will be. And so I want to talk about that tonight. You might have some of those same concerns. Like, what's it going to be like? What am I going to be like? Am I going to have a purpose? Or honestly, I'm kind of concerned about being bored. Are we going to eat? Are we going to have fun? Are we going to still be married? Are we going to just be in like a million-year-long church service? I don't know what to think. And it's understandable that you have concerns and maybe even worry about heaven cuz you're trying to compare it to your understanding of this life. And that's what we do. We try to we try to understand things based on what we have experienced. So it's not your fault you might feel nervous about death. This world is all we know. We fear the things that we don't know. And I found a funny story that kind of compares our nervousness about death and going to heaven uh, with the life of these two twin boys in the womb. So here's a funny story about two twin boys in the womb. See if you relate to any of these sentiments. It says, one said to the other, we're sure blessed to have been conceived and live in this wonderful world. The other noticed the umbilical cord giving them life and saying, how great is our mother's love that she provides all we need. Weeks went by and months went by and they changed and they grew. And they asked, we're changing. What does this mean? It means, said the other, that we're drawing near to birth. A chill crept over them. They were afraid of birth. It would mean leaving their wonderful world behind. One said, if it were up to me, I would rather live here forever. But we must be born, said the other. It's unavoidable, and I believe that there is life after birth. Don't you? (laughs) How can there be life after birth, cried the one? We'll be disconnected from the umbilical life cord. Besides, have you ever talked to anyone who's been born? Has anyone ever re-entered the womb after birth to describe what birth is like? No, he fell into despair, and in his despair he moaned. If the whole purpose of conception and our growth inside this womb is to just end in birth, then truly our life is meaningless. (laughs) And maybe there is no mother. I believe there is a mother, protested the other. Who else gave us nourishment? Who else created this world for us? But the worried boy said, if there is a mother, where is she? Have you ever seen her? Does she ever talk to you? No. Maybe we invented the mother when we were young because it satisfied our need to feel secure and happy. (laughs) Soon it was time. They knew their their birth was coming, and they feared what they did not know. One was first to be born, the other following. They cried as they were born into the light. They coughed out fluid and breathed the dry air, and then they opened their eyes, seeing life after birth for the very first time. They saw the beautiful eyes of their mother as they were cradled lovingly in her arms. They finally understood this had been their true home all along. Isn't that good? So, of course, you're nervous about heaven in some ways. That's understandable, and you shouldn't feel guilty about that. You've never been there. You've never gotten to talk to anyone who has been there. You can't get on Yelp and read reviews. You're just going off the Bible, and there's not a lot of detail in the Bible about heaven, to be honest. Not compared to other subjects. One of the reasons... That so many people have ignorant or negative views of heaven is because our enemy, Satan, has uh, been launching and leading a smear campaign against heaven. Did you realize this? It says in Revelation 13 that the enemy of God slanders God's name, he slanders God's people, and he slanders God's dwelling place. He slanders God's dwelling place. His dwelling place is heaven. Satan was once the angel Lucifer, if you didn't know that, who got kicked out of heaven for rebelling against God. And he hates that you get to go to the place he was kicked out of. So he wants you to believe that heaven is dull and boring, and he wants you to be afraid of death. He wants you to believe that this life is as good as it gets, so you should just live for today and do whatever feels good. He wants you to be hopeless. And that's why Jesus said in John 8, When he, the devil, lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. He is literally liar, liar, going to have his pants on fire (laughs) for all eternity. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, that's why it says, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. A lot of people are ignorant about heaven. And so what they do is they end up fearing death more than they ought to. And they grieve death more than they need to. It's normal to fear death a little bit because it's, it's something we haven't experienced yet. But, and grieving is, is okay. It's a part of the human experience to grieve loss. But many Christians even grieve loss more than they need to because they're ignorant about heaven and so they lose some of the hope that we need in order to stay anchored in times of difficulty. So I want you to be informed about heaven. I want you to know how good it is so that you can look forward to it. And I'll just give this disclaimer, I cannot answer all the questions about heaven. I can't fully explain it in this series. I will give you a book recommendation. There's a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. By far, this is the best book about heaven. I've read a lot of books about heaven, and in this book, he synthesizes a lot of other good books down. And so I would say if you could only read one other book about heaven beside the Bible, you want to read this book. I highly recommend it. And if you've been at this church for a while, I don't give a lot of book recommendations. I definitely recommend this one. So in this message today, Let's answer some of the most common questions and address some of the biggest misconceptions about heaven. First, what happens when you die? Some people think that we'll be reincarnated and you'll come back as maybe like a pig or a donkey or a cat or a dog or maybe even a person. And get an opportunity to work off your karmic debt and eventually work your way into heaven or nirvana other people believe in purgatory so maybe you weren't quite good enough to get into heaven but you'll just go to purgatory for a while and you'll kind of pay your dues and it's not great I mean it's not heaven but at least they have cable tv and three square meals a day so (laughs) it could be worse and neither of those are reality the bible says there is no second chance there's no reincarnation you get one life You get one opportunity to accept Jesus, and after that, it's over. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So when you die, I hope a long time from now, God willing, you're going to immediately go to either heaven or hell. Atheists believe will cease to exist. And that's actually a pretty minority position when you think about all of human history. All cultures throughout history have had some type of idea about life beyond the grave. It's like in our soul, we inherently know that there's something after death. And we're not always sure what. Different cultures and religions have different ideas. But you got to ask yourself, why does so much of humanity all have this concept that there's something beyond the grave? The Bible tells us why. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says, God, he has planted eternity in the human heart. There's just something intrinsically in you, coded into your DNA to know that you have an eternal soul and that the grave is not the end. People ask this question, will I be in heaven right away or will I sleep until a later time? And this is coming from the verse we read a minute ago in 1 Thessalonians where it says, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. So first, understand that this passage was written to comfort believers who were experiencing a lot of death. And the phrase, fall asleep, it's not literally describing what was happening. It's a euphemism. It's a pleasant, polite way to describe an unpleasant thing. It's like how we say, he passed away. That's not the literal, technical definition of what happened. He dead. That's what happened. But it sounds nicer to say he passed away. In the same way it sounds kind of polite and pleasant to say they fell asleep. And so there are a lot of people that read this passage and they have forms, incorrect doctrines, completely incorrect doctrines around this verse. And you'll hear Christians who actually believe this concept of soul sleep. That when you go into the ground, when you're dead, your soul just sleeps until a later date when Jesus comes back. Now I will say... I know some really tired moms who think that sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I could go for about 2,000 years of sleep. That sounds amazing just to catch up, but that's not how it works. And I think that's a good thing. We know that when we die, our soul goes to be with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul says, Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then... We will be at home with the Lord. There's no delay. Ecclesiastes 12 talks about when we die. For then the dust will return to the earth when we die, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Body goes in the ground, spirit goes back to God who gave it. And then there is the subject matter expert, the only person who's died and come back, Jesus. When he was on the cross, he had a thief nailed on each side of him. The thieves. Uh, were there as he was dying. And one of the thieves said to him in Luke 23, he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think this is the most just conclusive evidence that when you die, your spirit goes to heaven. He didn't say, today you're going into the grave and 2,000 years or so from now I'm going to come back and then you'll be with me in paradise said, today, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You're going to die. But you'll be with me in paradise. So we know it happens right away. Jesus tells a story about Lazarus and the rich man. They both died, and they immediately, immediately went to heaven or hell. And it's a cool story because in that story, it answers another one of the common concerns. Like, what's it going to be like when I die? People are kind of nervous about that. You know, am I going to just kind of sink into a black abyss? Am I going to be wandering through a dark tunnel looking for the light. Am I going to be able to find my way to heaven? Or am I going to just be left searching around earth as a ghost, haunting my mother-in-law, trying to find heaven? <laughs> what, what, what is it going to be? And look what it says in Luke 16. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. You're going to get an escort to heaven. The angels are going to come to escort you to heaven. That's how VIP you are to God. You get an escort from angels. Come on, someone. That's amazing. I love it. So let's answer this question. What is heaven like? What is heaven like? Really good question. How are we going to figure it out? we got to look at the Bible first and foremost. We're also going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand what's in the Bible and piece it all together uh, to the best of our ability. We're going to use our imagination. And that's actually okay with a situation like this. It's okay to use your God-given imagination to take what you know about the universe and and use that to help kind of piece the puzzle together. And then there are some aspects where you just kind of use common sense. Um, In this series you're going to hear more than normal, I'm going to say, I think. Okay? Normally, I don't say a lot of I think or in my opinion because I don't like to preach things based off of what I think or my opinion. I like to preach things based off of the Word of God in a way that, hey, this is rock solid and conclusive and if you have a problem with it, you have a problem with God. Okay? It's not me. I'm just a messenger. I don't write the mail. I just read it. But... There are issues within the scope of Christianity where we cannot be 100% sure about certain things, either because... The Lord intentionally leaves some details out for reasons we don't understand, or we just don't get the full picture, or we're not capable of understanding. So you're going to hear me say, I think, and what that means is I've looked at the evidence, and I'm trying to boil it down to my best guess about how I think it's going to play out, and I'm going to use my imagination even on a few things. Based on everything I've studied to tell you, here's what I think. And there's a little bit of a disclaimer there. I could be wrong about some of these things. So I don't need like 4,000 people coming up to me in heaven like, you were wrong, Pastor Ryan. I'm going to be like, I know, bro. I was using the same source material as you. I did the best I could. So give me a break. Later in this series, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about the eternal heaven, and that's what the Bible describes as the new heaven and new earth. That's our forever home. Today, we're focusing on the present-day heaven. That's like our temporary upgrade. Still better than earth, not as good as the forever home, okay? So we're going to talk about the present-day heaven. Where would you go if you died tonight? You would go to the present-day heaven. Where is it? We don't know exactly where it is. So uh, modern string theorists believe that there are at least 10 dimensions in our universe. Maybe as many as 20, uh, maybe more. And so I I think that heaven is in another dimension of our universe that we don't have access to. Uh, The Bible talks about the uh, disciple Stephen as he was being stoned, looking up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing which gives you some clues that heaven is a physical place. Jesus is standing. He's got the shape of a man. We're not going to be just like swirling globes of light in the shape of clouds. It's not like Casper the ghost just floating around. Heaven is a physical place. It's generally up. And it's probably in another dimension. Which means you can't just go to Elon Musk and rent a space shuttle and make your own way to heaven. You need Jesus to get there. But we have some clues about where it is. The eternal heaven's going to be here in our dimension, but that's another subject. When you get there, you won't miss your old life. Nobody in heaven right now feels bad for themselves. Like, oh man, I died. thanks no they feel bad for you they're like oh man poor guy how long does he have to wait till he can come here lord oh really cut him some slack like they're having a great time we're the ones who are struggling so let's keep the perspective there when you get to heaven what's awesome you won't be tempted anymore That's really a big struggle right now, because I I know that as believers, you want to do what's right. But like the Apostle Paul says, sometimes you do the things you don't want to do, and you don't do the things you want to do, and it's a struggle. You won't have that struggle anymore in heaven. That part of your struggle is going to be over. It's going to be completely done, so you'll have peace there. Uh, You'll still be a person, so you'll have emotions. You're not going to just be like this zinned-out hippie. You're going to have emotions, joy, excitement. Uh, You're going to get to make up for missed opportunities. And let's be honest, there are some things you might not have just gotten to do. Maybe responsibility kept you from doing certain things that you always dreamed about doing. I think you're going to have all eternity to make up for a lot of those missed opportunities. We'll be able to play games and play sports and have fun. I think it'll be fun to play sports without worrying about getting hurt playing sports. You know, I remember watching lots of guys in the church softball league having a good old time out there until they tore their ACL, right? I mean, but we don't have to worry about that. Uh, We'll be able to worship the Lord. It's not, I'll I'll give you a little clue here, it's not going to be just an eternal church service. We love church. But after like a thousand years, that would get a little bit dull. We're going to have church, so I do do think we're going to have church. We're going to have big worship services. It's going to be awesome. For some of you, this will be the first time you've ever sang on key. It's going to be amazing. Heaven. There's not going to be any sinning in heaven, so you won't need locks on your doors. You don't need police to protect you. You won't need a military to protect you because there's not going to be anyone trying to hurt you. I think the fact that there's no sin in heaven is why people worry that it'll be dull and boring with no pleasure. Because we haven't always admitted it, but deep down there's an assumption that sin is fun and exciting and righteousness is boring and dull. That's the devil's most basic strategy, going back to the Garden of Eden, tricking Adam and Eve into believing that sin brings fulfillment. But that's not the way it works. Sin does not bring us fulfillment, it robs us of fulfillment. It doesn't make life more interesting. It makes life empty. It blunts adventure. It shrinks our world. Sin's emptiness leads to boredom. So in heaven, being free from sin, you'll actually be able to enjoy everything more than you do now. Really, I think when you boil down our concerns and our worries, to the basic level, we worry that heaven will be good because we doubt that God is good. I think on some levels we worry that heaven will be good because we struggle with doubt that God really is good. All of our worry about heaven boils down to, to the very rea- real, real struggle. We doubt sometimes God's goodness. But let me just reassure you, he is not setting you up to be disappointed have you ever had someone just build up a restaurant a little bit too much and then you go and you actually eat the food and you're like oh I'm kind of disappointed that's not going to happen with heaven we can't even come close to scratching the surface of describing how good it'll be we don't even have the words within us to comprehend and explain how good it is so you will not be disappointed you will not suffer you will not lack anything there's not going to be anything missing. You're not going to go up to Jesus in heaven and be like, you know, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to have to knock one star off, though, because there's a few things I think you forgot, Lord. Jesus isn't going to be there like, oh, man, I did. I, that would have been great. Why didn't I think of that? I think that the Word made flesh who spoke the universe into existence the one who created the stars and our DNA and and every good thing, he's probably got this figured out. But I think people are afraid oftentimes that heaven will be boring because they fear that God is boring. I've even heard people say, I'd rather party in hell than be bored in heaven. There is no party in hell. No one is partying in hell. So we got to realize that. we got to give God credit, the credit that he deserves, and stop maligning him as if he's boring and dull. He's not. Remember, who created all the good things that you enjoy in life? God is the one who gave us pleasure, He made our taste buds. I mean, food could have just been bland nutrition, but God made it taste good, and he created all kinds of variety of flavor. He's the one that gave us adrenaline and the ability to have fun and and adventure. Uh, God is the one who invented our sex drive. I mean, think about that. Right? He could have made procreation and multiplication like this systematic like robot process like you will procreate and multiply and have babies. But instead, he made sex feel really nice. That tells you how God's mind works. He's always looking for ways to make things fun. Our imagination came from God, our desire for adventure and our creativity and our sense of humor, those things came from from God. What that means is all of the good things that you enjoy in this life, all the good things are just a shadow reflection of greater good things that you'll experience in heaven. That's why King David wrote, in your presence is Fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, forevermore, right? Like all the good things you enjoy in this life, the joy that you enjoy in this life, it's a fractional joy. It's a sprinkling of joy. It's a joy sampler platter. But in heaven, you'll get to experience the fullness of joy, the pleasure that comes from God that doesn't end. Jesus is the most intelligent, creative, witty, fun person who's ever existed in the universe. And he's the one who created heaven. He said, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Heaven's going to be fun. There's going to be laughter. It's not just going to be somber and serious. It's going to be the funnest place you've ever been. And Jesus is going to be the one laughing the loudest. In John 14, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. So let's keep that in mind, right? Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you and rose again, he loves you, he's victorious, he is the word of God, and the word is the one who spoke the universe into creation. He's the ultimate creative, he's the one who is Architecting heaven for you, he's putting it together. It's his masterpiece. He's creating it, and you can trust that it's good. And you might have concerns about it. You know, like I'm kind of nervous. Like, what's it going to be like? Listen, you don't even have to believe that heaven is good. You just need to believe that Jesus is good. What about this? What will we be like? What will we? be like. First off, we will be humans. Listen, humans do not become angels. That would actually be a demotion. I hear people say all all the time, you know, like, little Billy is an angel now. No, he's not. (laughs) Or they'll say, God needed another angel. No, he doesn't. The Bible says that there's 10,000 times 10,000 angels, at least 100 million angels. God doesn't need any more angels. He doesn't need any of us to be his angels. We're humans and we're different than angels. They're created to be angels. We're created to be humans. And we are higher than the angels in the heavenly realm. Although they are more powerful than we are in our earthly bodies right now. And don't get me wrong, angels are awesome, they're our friends. There are comrades. I love angels, but we're humans and we're not gonna become angels. Here's, Here's what's really cool think about this. We as humans, we're made in the image of God. Angels are not. Angels serve those who are going to inherit salvation. Watch, when angels rebelled against God, God cast them out of heaven. When humans rebelled against God, God came to earth. ...and died for humans to save us so that we could be reconciled to him and get into heaven. We humans are united with Christ in a way the angels will never be. In Psalm 8, 5, it says that we are made a little lower than the angels now. And that's a reference to our frail human bodies. But in heaven, we'll be higher than the angels like Christ. We will judge the angels for their deeds... So as a human, you are the pinnacle of God's creation. Not the angels, as awesome as they are. Not the stars. God created humanity and he said, very good. It's perfect. He said, very good. You're his masterpiece. Uh, Another thing we know about what will we be like, you will have a physical body. Which I think is comforting because that's what I know. So you're not going to be just like a floating globe of light but you'll have a physical body. How do I know that? Because Jesus. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he is the prototype. He is the preview of what's to come. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he's the first one to be raised from the dead, and the rest of us who believe in Jesus will eventually follow him in this. So we can look at Jesus and what he was like after he rose from the dead, and that gives us a lot of insight into what we will be like. He was the first fruits; then comes us as the rest of the harvest. Jesus had a physical body. He told the disciples, touch my hands, feel the holes where where the nails were at, so they could touch him. But on the other hand, he just appeared in the room where they were, which I think means that maybe we get to teleport in heaven. (laughs) Awesome! No more more waiting in lines at the airport. No more TSA. You know where TSA goes. Not heaven. On the other hand, Jesus ate with the disciples. So he actually ate food, which was kind of proving that he was a a physical person. He wasn't a ghost, which that's amazing. That tells me that most likely we're going to be eating in heaven. I mean, think about how good the food in heaven is going to be. And you don't have to worry about calories. You can just eat and enjoy it. Eventually, you're going to get an eternal, glorified body like Jesus had. Which means you'll be free from the curse of sin and all the effects of sin. All of the, the physical pain and discomfort and sickness that we experience is the result of the curse of sin. It's not necessarily something you specifically did to bring on yourself, but you were born into a fallen, sinful world. Uh, And so in heaven, we won't deal with any of that anymore. In heaven, there won't be cancer, sickness, there'll be no pain, no memory loss, there'll be no anxiety or genetic, uh, genetic defects, no chemical imbalances, no mental illness, no injuries, no effects of age or gravity. That stuff will be gone. And you'll probably be kind of at your prime somewhere in there. People wonder, how old will we be? Am I going to be the same age that I was when I died? No, probably. Uh, that would be crazy. Heaven would look like a retirement home. And it'd be like <laughs> mostly 80-year-olds walking around like, well, at least I'm in heaven. Right? Like, Scientists say that we, we peak. We hit our prime state in our 20s or our 30s. So you'll probably have like the glorified body of a 20-something, 30-year-old you, which sounds great, right? You know, the closer I get to 40, the more I miss my 20-year-old body. That body bounced back. It did not get aches and pains the way that I do now. What about, here's a question, what about children who die? What about children who die? Let me talk about it. Well, first... It's a mistake theologically to believe that children are innocent. Common mistake. Kids seem innocent compared to us, but that's just because they're not big enough and able to sin yet. They're not fully innocent in God's eyes. It says in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So we are born with a sinful nature the only thing that limits it is that we're tiny and we're incapable of acting on it. All you gotta do is raise a toddler to realize we're little sinners from birth. (laughs) No one has to teach us to lie, to be selfish, to disobey. We just do it because we're sinners. (laughs) But that being said, I believe And I believe the Bible indicates that children who die before they're old enough to place their faith in Jesus are saved. And they're saved by God's grace. The same as the rest of us. Not because they deserve it or because they're small or because they look cute, but because of God's grace and his mercy, which is great. And I'll show you where I get that from. 2 Samuel verse 12. David's infant son dies. And he says this, but now that he is dead, why should I go on? fasting, and mourning. He says, can I bring him back again? Watch. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. This is the word of God, which is inspired by God. And David's infant son, he says, is in heaven. He said, I will go to him. He wasn't planning on going to hell. He's like, I will go to him and see him again, is what he was saying. So this is very comforting For anyone who has lost a child, anyone who's lost a child uh, pre-birth as a miscarriage or at any point, I believe those kids are clearly going to be saved by God's grace. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. God does not want these little ones. He was talking about children to perish. And, and so this idea that, that kids go to heaven is not just hopium, me, make, you know, makes me feel good. It's actually based on the word of God. And so I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. Uh, how old will kids be when they get to heaven? Um, we don't know for certain how old they'll be. This is where I think we need to use like common sense and our imagination. One possible theory is that if a kid dies... He appears in heaven, 25 years old. You're an infant one minute. Now you got a full grown adult body. <laughs> like, whoa, what is this thing? I don't think that makes any sense. I think what happens is that when a child dies, that child appears in heaven at the age they die. And then in heaven, continue to grow to their prime state. And I'm basing this off of common sense, my imagination, and also that in Isaiah 11, it indicates that there are children in heaven. And I don't think it's just metaphor. It talks about children in heaven. So I think about all of the babies who died as miscarriages. I think about all of the babies who were killed through abortion. I think the aborted babies of the earth are going to be one of the largest people groups in heaven. And what I think is very cool is that all the moms who never got to be moms, all the dads who never got to be dads, are going to get to do what they longed to do in heaven. They're going to get to raise babies and love on toddlers and play with little kids Play catch, nurse, you know, take care of babies, right? Do all the things, as there are going to be kids in heaven. I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be. Fun. I mean, doesn't the idea of being in heaven with little kids running around sound just so fun? And, and even when you're tired of them, you just give it to an angel and you just walk off. <laughs> no, you're not sleep deprived. So you just enjoy them. they are like, all right, here you go. Whoop. I love this sermon. <laughs> Here's a common question. Will I know other people? Common fears that we won't know anything or know anyone. And this is based on the misconception that the only way you could be ha- happy in heaven is to not know anything. So, like, maybe you, you show up to heaven and the angels are there, like the men in black, and they're like, smile, chink, and they right, wipe your memory. And that's, like, just ignorance is bliss, right? And that is false. Um, so I think you're going to know people that you knew on earth, and I think you're gonna know everyone that's in heaven. I think you're gonna know everyone there intrinsically, inherently. This is my theory that our, our identity is gonna just kind of radiate from us. I don't know how to explain it in human terms. I think you're just gonna be able to look at people and be like, "That's John. That's Susie. That's Billy." I I, I just know. I don't necessarily know everything about them because I'm not God, but I know who they are. And I'm basing that off of a couple things. But one of them would be this in Matthew 17. The disciples come up uh, with Jesus to what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And it says that Jesus was there. And then it says this, Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So notice this. They appear and they're talking with Jesus. But then it goes on to say in later verses that Peter knew who they were. So they either, you know, stopped talking to Jesus, the son of God, to be like, hi Peter, I'm Moses, nice to meet you. Or maybe like Elijah had a name tag on, the Elijah. (laughs) But I think what is, is that in their glorified state, he just knew who they were. It doesn't even say, you know, later Jesus told us who it was. It says he just knew who they were. Uh, I think that we're going to just know one another, which goes back to one of the deepest human desires, to be known. Isn't it cool to think that everyone in heaven will just know you? I think that that's very possible. But you'll be the perfect version of you. You'll be you without the sinful struggles and the bad habits and the broken body. If you were a man, if you were born a man, let me say, if you were born a man, you will be a male in heaven. If you were born a female, you will be a female in heaven. You're not going to be some weird androgynous eunuch. You're going to be a male or a female, as you were born. Because sex is a part of your identity. Your sex, your gender, it was a part of your identity. And whereas on earth, some people get confused about their gender identity and they say, I feel like I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or vice versa. No one's going to be confused in heaven because God is not the God of confusion. All right, here's a good one. Will I still be married? Will I still be married? And the answer is probably not. Not really. I don't think so. And it's based on this, Matthew 22. Jesus says this, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. He doesn't say they become angels, quick note, but like angels. The angels don't get married. And this is something that, I'll be honest, kind of unclear what exactly he means. But the passage, the context there is that people were asking Jesus about marriage in heaven. They asked him, you know, if someone is married to multiple people, who are they going to be married to in heaven? And Jesus basically says, you've got it all wrong. It's not even like that. You're not going to be married in heaven. You're going to be like the angels who don't get married. So let's talk about that because that is one of the most common questions that I get and there's a lot of angst around this because some people think, well, I, I, don't, I can't imagine being happy in heaven and enjoying heaven without my, my spouse. And other people would say, I can't imagine enjoying heaven with my spouse. <laughs> I know some people that only stayed married because they knew that there was an end in sight. Not me, of course. I mean, I would be happy being married to Amy forever. But uh, it's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around this. So let's think about it. Why why maybe is it this way? Well, for us, you know, you picked your spouse and you enjoy each other. Because we live in a culture that if you want to get divorced, it's definitely not hard to get divorced. So if you're married in this culture, you probably are getting along pretty well. And your spouse is probably one of your closest friends, probably your best friend, definitely knows you the best, usually has your back more than anyone else. So when you think about being in heaven without your spouse, that seems scary and understandably so. But put it in historical context. For much of human history, marriage didn't come out of romance and chemistry and attraction the way that it does for us. So many people throughout history were placed in arranged marriages, maybe against their will, maybe with people that they didn't even like or weren't attracted to. Think about how many young girls as teens were forced into marriage with someone they didn't even know or like. And then next thing they're having babies and they're raising these kids. and. There's definitely no sense of, like, follow your dreams and pursue your goals. They are just raising these kids in this arranged marriage. So you can see why maybe that woman hears that there's no marriage in heaven and is, like, okay with it. Because there would be a lot of people who lived in cultures in history where you couldn't get divorced. And they were forced to live with an abusive spouse. So they hear about no marriage in heaven, and they're thinking, all right, That sounds pretty good, Uh, but for a lot of us, it's a little scary, and I think what's really happening here is when you worry about not being married in heaven, here's what I think is is really happening. You're worried about being alone. You're comparing it to being unmarried on earth, and you're thinking, like, man, I'm going to be alone again. I'm going to have to take care of myself. I'm going to have to start dating again. Oh is pretty much the worst. Like I don't want to I don't want to be unmarried, but it's going to be totally different in heaven. You're not going to lack intimacy or friendships or community or pleasure and I was going to talk about sex in this sermon, but I realized it fits better in the other sermon I'm going to do on heaven. So I'm going to save it for that. I know some of you are disappointed, but I'll I'll come back to the sex talk. It's actually pretty interesting, so I want to invite you to come back. I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. People ask this, will I know what's happening on earth? Will I know or will I be unaware? It goes back to that myth that the only way you could be happy is to be ignorant, living in bliss, unaware. And that's not true, that you know, you're just unaware of what's happening. I think it's clear. You've got to remember where you came from to appreciate where you are. And the Bible makes it very clear that to some degree, people in heaven know what's happening on earth. Revelation chapter 6, the apostle John is taken up into heaven, and he has the ability to see into heaven. And he describes a lot of what he sees to the best of his human ability. And he says this, I saw under the altar the soul's of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful for their testimony. So they were killed for being Christians. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they did to us? So these martyrs in heaven right now are calling out to God, how long are you going to make us wait before you avenge us? How long? So they are, one, they're aware of the fact that they were martyred. Their memory hasn't been wiped. They know at least that Jesus has not gone back to earth. They know that there are still wicked people on earth. They are aware of these things. That Jesus is allowing suffering to happen. And that there are people in hell. We're going to know where we came from. And in fact, I think we're going to know even more than we know right now. We're going to have knowledge that we probably didn't have when we were on earth. We're going to remember things that we had forgotten. Think about how many memories we have that are suppressed or forgotten. In heaven, I think you're going to get the whole download. You're going to be able to access all the memories, again, completely. Uh, You're going to know and find out and discover things that you were never made privy to during this life. For example, I think in heaven, you'll find out all the times that God sent angels to watch over you. All the attacks that he stopped from happening. All the prayers he answered that you didn't even realize he answered. All the times that you prayed for your kids and he sent angels to watch over them. And you're gonna, then, man, Think about all the reasons you're going to have to worship God then as you realize how good he actually was to you beyond what you even realize. In heaven, we're not going to be these fragile, frail beings whose joy can only be preserved by shielding us from what's really going on in the universe. We're going to know that there's suffering going on on earth still. We're going to know that there are people in hell, but we're still going to have joy. That's because in heaven, happiness is not based on ignorance. Happiness in heaven is due to perspective. Let me explain this for a minute. On earth, right now, we have good circumstances in our lives and we have bad circumstances in our lives. Most humans base their happiness on their circumstances. So if you get more bad than good, you're depressed. Christians know our joy doesn't come From good circumstances, it comes from perspective. That, yeah, you might be suffering now, but you know that this suffering only lasts for a little while. That people might attack you or slander you or hate you now, but that Jesus loves you unfailingly. That, man, sometimes things don't work out in life, but heaven is your home and you have a hope that can't be taken. That's perspective. Regardless of a storm or bad circumstances, the right perspective allows you to have joy. So now contrast and compare that to heaven. In heaven, you're not going to have any bad circumstances. You're only going to have good circumstances. But your joy in heaven is still not going to come from good circumstances. Like you think maybe it's going to come from an even clearer perspective. In heaven, you're finally going to fully realize how much God loves you. Because right now, you don't realize how much God loves you. You know he loves you, but you're not even capable of understanding how much he loves you. That's why in Ephesians it says, may you have the ability to comprehend how much God loves you. We just inherently, we can't understand how much he loves It's so far beyond what we even realize. But in heaven, you're gonna be like, oh man, my human mind would have melted if I had even come close to understanding how good God is, how faithful He is, how loving He is, how merciful He is. But now that I realize more about who God is and more clearly who He is, man, I, that, that's where joy in heaven comes from. This greater perspective that's not clouded by human doubts and fears and misunderstanding. It's perspective. In heaven, our greatest joy isn't going to come from the absence of suffering or injustice, but from the presence of Jesus. Heaven is better than we can possibly imagine. It's definitely better than I can describe. And yet, as great as it is, it is crazy that the majority of people choose not to go there. They choose not to go there. Here's what it says in Matthew 7. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And I'm going to talk about hell in a later sermon. The highway to hell is broad and his gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. The highway to hell is broad. Most people throughout human history have rejected God's love. They have rejected God's offer of salvation. And instead, they have chosen the path that leads to destruction in hell. So all the time I hear people say, how could a loving God send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. And the truth is that, man, the majority of people choose that path. The gateway to life, the Bible says, here's what Jesus says, it's very narrow. It's very narrow. And the gateway is only Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. All roads did not lead to God. All religions are not just different versions of the same religion. The God of the Bible of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not the same God of Hinduism or of Islam or of Buddhism or of Mormonism or of all the other religions of the world. There is the God of the Bible of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God above all other gods, and then there are idols and false gods and demons posing as gods. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus and accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you are one of the few who find the gateway to life. How good is that? to know, you're one of the few who are on the narrow road to heaven, not because you're awesome, but because you simply received Jesus and accepted his offer of salvation. Heaven is a place of joy. You're going to be happy completely. In heaven, you're going to experience amazing peace that just blows your mind. Heaven is a place of abundance. You're never going to worry about not having enough again. Heaven's a place of complete healing. You won't have to endure any more pain or suffering. But what's so incredible is heaven is awesome, yet through Jesus, you can start to experience heaven now. Jesus did not come to earth just to get you into heaven. But he came to earth to get heaven into you. So when you, have Je- when you accept Jesus and you receive him into your heart, he fills you up with his Holy Spirit, which means you get to be in the presence of God now. You get to start walking in the joy of the Spirit with freedom, with happiness and contentment and abundance and peace that other people cannot experience apart from God. God wants to bring heaven to you and develop heaven within you and show the world heaven through you as you walk with the Lord. In heaven, we're going to be completely free from oppression and injustice, manipulation and dictators. But through Jesus, we can start to walk in freedom today, right now. We can enjoy the goodness of God even now. And I'm not going to lie what we have now is not as good as what we're gonna have then. It's gonna be better. It's gonna be even better than anything we can experience or imagine right now. That's why as Christians, when we say the best is yet to come, the rest of your life is gonna be the best of your life. Your best days are ahead. Those are not just cute pastor sayings. Those are biblically and theologically truthful statements that your best is yet to come. You might have a rough life. You might have ups and downs. You might go through stock market crashes and wars and famines and diseases and all. But you know that all those paths, whatever it looks like, heaven is your home. That is your home forever. So your best days are yet to come if heaven is in your future. So I think out of this message, is a couple things that we need to take away from it as we close. First, if you are a Christian Maybe you need to be reminded tonight that heaven is your home and that although there are scary things going on in this world and there are problems, this world is not your home. You can set your sights on heaven and what's to come and the goodness of God that lies before you. That gives you hope and the ability to not fear death, to not fear loss the way that those who have no hope do. And then some of you who are Christians, real talk, Maybe need to apologize to God for worrying and doubting his goodness that heaven is actually going to be good. So once in a while, I think it's good just to be like, God, I'm sorry. I kind of doubted you, and I thought some things about you that aren't true. And it's good just to clear the air. It leads to more intimacy. And then lastly, there's this. If you're here, you might not know that heaven is your home. You might not know if you die tonight where you would go. Maybe you would say, if I died tonight, I'm not really sure where I would go. I know I don't want to go to hell. I'd rather go to heaven, but I'm not 100% sure that that's what would happen. The Bible makes it clear that you can be sure through accepting Jesus Christ. It's not actually hard to accept Jesus. He already did all the hard part. You just have to open up your heart and humble yourself and recognize that he is the answer. He's the only way. And you can't achieve, you can't earn your way into heaven through good works. It's not gonna happen. It's only through Jesus. So it requires humility to surrender your life to him. And maybe there's someone here or watching online who needs to do that right now. Maybe you're listening to this podcast during the week and you're driving to work and you wanna know that heaven is your home. I'm gonna ask everyone, So just right now, take a moment uh, to pray with me. Let's bow our heads and and close our eyes if you're able to. And I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not about these specific words. But it's about the intention and the heart behind the words. So if you mean what we say right now in your heart, then God will know and he will receive you completely as his own. So I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. And if you want to accept Jesus right now and know that heaven is your home then pray this with me say God I want you to save me I ask you to accept me as your child I believe in my heart that Jesus is the son of God that he lived a perfect life and that he died on the cross for my sins he died for me so I could be forgiven And that I wouldn't have to walk in shame. He died for me so I could be free from guilt. And so I could be made clean in your sight, God. And I believe that Jesus rose again, giving me victory over death and eternal life. I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. So God, I thank you for loving me. And I ask you to lead me. In Jesus' name I pray.